So it's Luke 3, 7 to 17? 19. 7 to 19. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? In reply, he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And what, would, what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah. John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. But Herod, the ruler, who had been rebuked by him because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the evil things that Herod had done, added to them all by shutting up John in prison. May the spirit of God's love lead us into truth. Amen. Amen. I think I might have used the word disciple or follower rather a lot over the weekend. Um, disciple is a close relationship to the word discipline. And of course, the word discipline is not one that um, fits very easily to one who sprouted their wings and enjoyed the 60s and the 70s. So because discipline isn't one of my favorite words, I took myself off to Wikipedia and thought, what does Wikipedia reckon? Because it sounds a lot about being in the army and being under orders. And discipline is the suppression of base desires and is very similar to the idea of restraint and self-control. Discipline is one when one uses reason to determine the best course of action that opposes one's desire. In other words, separating off what we really want and working against it. Now, it feels as if John the Baptist is a good exemplar of somebody who wants people to exercise that kind of discipline, 
to fight against their base desires. We hear that the crowds turned out to respond to John's very unrelenting cry to repentance. Turn around, do it differently. And they asked him this obvious question, what is it that we have to do to avoid the perilous wrath that is to come? In other words, how are we meant to behave? What sort of discipline are we meant to keep? And John says some very sensible and compassionate things. He says, well, don't be greedy. If you've got two coats, give one to someone who hasn't got one. And do that with food as well. And he told the tax collectors to discipline themselves to keep the hand, their hands out of the till. And he told soldiers to discipline themselves away from bullying and misusing their power. We find out and read that people rather warmed to these answers that he gave. Um, and they start to think that John is not just a powerful prophet, but he might actually be the Messiah for which they have been longing. I had to look at what Messiah meant as well. Messiah, the anointed one, someone who is the savior of a people, the liberator of a people. And we shouldn't be surprised that the people who were gathering around John um, were looking for a, ma a Messiah, somebody to liberate them, because they had plenty from which they needed to be set free from. They were occupied by the Romans. They had Roman soldiers patrolling the streets and, well, throwing their weight around. There were Quislings, that's collaborators with the powerful. And that was especially those who had office in the synagogues and the temple. For sure, a Messiah um, would seem to solve all their problems. But John very clearly protests. He says, look, I am not a Messiah. There's someone else who's close to hand. So let's do a little bit of digging about the backstory. Interestingly, when you get your new incumbent, um, they will need to know the backstory of how things have come to be as they are. So the backstory here is that Jesus of Nazareth was John the Baptist's cousin because Mary, Jesus' mum, was the niece of John the Baptist's mum. And of course, we hear how both of them were pregnant and took some comfort by being alongside each other. We also know that, John, that Jesus joins in the crowds who are gathering around John the Baptist. And that Jesus goes so far as to go to John and ask him to baptize him in the Jordan. 
And of course, John does, but we know that he does it reluctantly because this is the chap who John feels he isn't even worthy to untie his sandals. We also know that Jesus seemed to have spent some time after his baptism as a keen follower of John the Baptist. He was part of John the Baptist's crew, if you want. Um, but then we discover that Jesus takes himself off to the wilderness, away from John the Baptist and those who were his associates at that time. And we read that Jesus spends these 40 days when he fasts and he struggles and he puzzles. Could he, Jesus, really be who John the Baptist keeps pointing to? Could he really be the Messiah? And Jesus also, in those 40 days, has to make sense of that extraordinary experience of what happened when he was baptized. Jesus spends these 40 days in the Judean desert. We know it better as the Negev, the Negev Desert, part of south of Israel. And of course, because he's fasting and he's in the heat, he hallucinates. And in his hallucinations, he's visited by Satan. And Satan tempts him. He says, make bread from these stones. Jump from the pinnacle of the temple and get ready for your angels to break your fall. Worship the devil in return for all the kingdoms of the world. So during those 40 days, Jesus is puzzling. Is he really the Messiah? And if you are the Messiah, what do you do? What do you say? What's your discipline? Or the word I used earlier, what's your performance? How do you do this thing? Just a reminder about Wikipedia's definition of discipline. Discipline is the suppression of base desires, harnessing restraint and self-control, using reason to determine the best course of action that opposes one's desires. And so we find that Jesus, after those 40 days, begins his public ministry. He goes it alone putting about his discipline for people to follow and gathering disciples, both men and women. Now, perhaps I don't have to say this, but just a word to you. This is not a fairy story that we are talking about. This isn't a fable. This is history. And it's a very robust history. Um, it's the history that has Caesar Augustus and Pontius Pilate. It's history that is as real as it gets. This is the story of a man. So for three years in the common era, 27 to 30, Jesus, having left that vigil in the desert, 
starts to travel around that area that today we know as Israel and Palestine and Jordan. But during the time that Jesus is traveling, so too John the Baptist continues preaching. He keeps going, calling people to repent, to avoid the wrath that is coming. <coughs> but in doing that, he regularly takes a pot shot at um, Herod Antipas. Herod was the puppet ruler on behalf of the Romans. It was Herod's task to keep the population quiet and under control. But John is really irked by Herod's marriage because it's so contrary to Jewish law. It was incestuous, basically, because Herodias, his wife, was also his niece. And if you listen to Josephus, the historian, John's public influence made Antipas very fearful of rebellion. So Herod did what Herods were prone to do. He put John in prison. Uh, you probably know the rest. Now, whether this is fable or history, I think, is less uncertain. But, of course, his, um, his daughter, stepdaughter, dances for him and requests John's head on a silver salver um, because not only was Herod frustrated by John, so too was Herodias' wife. Before the execution of John the Baptist, that we know, he did lose his head, um, John the Baptist begins to have some doubts about whether Jesus was doing it right. Extraordinary. So human, this story. Matthew 11. When Jesus had finished teaching his disciples, he went on to teach and, pre and preach in other cities. Now John, when John, while imprisoned, heard about what Jesus was saying and doing, he sent his disciples to Jesus and said to him, are you the expected one, or shall we be looking for someone else? John the Baptist starts to have doubts. Is this really the Messiah? Could the Messiah really be going about in the way that my cousin Jesus is going about? And this is the point. Jesus was teaching, performing, something quite different from what John the Baptist was about. Yes, Jesus was saying, don't be greedy. If you've got the two coats, give one to someone who hasn't got one. Tax collectors need to be honest. Soldiers not to corrupt, to be corrupted by their power. But that's only the nursery slopes. What Jesus says is that God is love, not wrath. Jesus says, yeah, the wrath to come. I'm going to tell you about God who is Father, and you can call him Abba, Dad. It's the Aramaic that Jesus spoke, translates into that term very much like 
daddy. And of course, Jesus is speaking for women, for the mad, and the bad, because he's teaching that God loves more than condemns. Jesus also sees how the distinction of tribe and nation have to be let go of because we are all God's children. And of course, Jesus vents his fury at the religious people of the time because they'd taken advantage of people's gullibility. Jesus, for just three years that historians can account for, tells people about a God of compassion and love. He tells people that God does not need scapegoats and does not go in for allocating blame. And therefore, nor should we. And of course, as we mentioned on Friday evening, Jesus, his final command, as he's taken for crucifixion as a traitor and scapegoat, this is in AD 33, put down your sword. Put down your sword, thank you very much. I couldn't have done better if I tried. <laughs> but more than this, Jesus reckons, recognizes that we will all struggle to be disciples and manage the discipline that overrides our base desires. And that's why Jesus doesn't just show us how to live. <laughs> this is me punchline, you know. There is a God. We'll do it again. You're not going to be made. As... But more than this, Jesus recognizes that we will struggle with the discipline that John the Baptist calls us to, and so too does Jesus that the performance that he wants us to emulate, to follow, we're going to fall down. But he doesn't just leave us with that. Because he is the Messiah, um, he is also our Savior. Amen.